0: The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. I recommend that you don't try that in a small town. Let me tell you something. There's people out there who are freaking out about Jason Aldean's new song, try that in a small town. And I got, I heard the song for the first time yesterday. I got an email last night from a listener who said, you have to hear this song and it'd be a good song for your Friday morning show open. And so I did like a Google search because I'm not a big country music, uh, contemporary country music fan. I like like the older stuff, but I have a producer who's actually a country music DJ. So I knew she would know the song. And I go on Google and I see like a hundred different, you know, uh, highlighted stories from the Washington Post, from every website that you could possibly imagine. And it's all condemning this particular song. And then I find out that the video of this song has been taken down by the country music. I don't know, big, big station, country music, big station, and it's a it's a controversy, so I started listening to the song. Now, trust me, if you don't see the video and you listen to the song. There is nothing unpredictable in this song. It is a typical country music song, talking about good old boys and what they do and how they feel and how you can't have their guns and you can't sucker punch their grandmothers. You know, it, it, and you listen to the song and you're thinking, "Yeah, I get, I get it." You know, I totally understand where Jason Aldean is coming from. I've heard enough of his songs. He has another song about small towns that I like, and so I, I just. I uh, didn't know what all the fuss was about. Then I watched the video. So now the outrage is because in the video, there are scenes from Black Lives Matter protests. Uh, there are scenes of demonstrations and, you know, the convenience store robbery, a bunch of different crimes, which alternate with video shots of Jason Aldean and his band performing in some public square in Columbia, Tennessee, which probably has a population of less than 50,000 people. And he's singing this following the two minutes of violent images. And then it literally uh, ends with a bunch of pictures, kind of like not really uh, a very good, well-shot video, of people in a town with their families, with their, you know, farms. And that's pretty much the message, is that here in small towns, we don't do that. We don't protest. And, um, you know, maybe he was a little, what's the right word, insensitive about some of the reasons that those protests took place. But the bottom line is, there are a lot of us. We're not from small country towns either who do not like to see mobs. You know, we don't like to see mobs of any kind. We don't want to see a mob attacking black people, mob attacking Asian people. We don't like mobs attacking especially innocent people. And I'm pretty sure that that is uh, very much what Jason Aldean was trying to portray in this video. What ends up happening is we are not allowed to use a term like full of good good old boys anymore, right? It's okay when rap stars refer to, you know, the N-word in their crew or anything like that. We're just supposed to say, okay, you know, well, it's, uh, it's the way they take the power back from that word and we understand and everything's okay. And, oh, well, if they want to call women... Uh, the B word or the ho or whatever those words are that they've used in these rap songs for almost my entire adult life. Well, certainly my son was a, a rap enthusiast, loved Tupac Shakur and all the rest, the B, P. Diddy and all those guys. So I heard plenty of that. You know, uh, I didn't like him listening to it, but you know he listened to it whenever he could. So those kind of words, which made me flinch at the time, we have to learn to live with them, right? No choice. You are not going to condemn an entire style of music for words that may be offensive, but have now been used by the people who are supposed to be offended, right? So we don't get we don't get to use them. You know, I would never say that word, but I am supposed to be completely tolerant if uh, some rap star says it, or if Ice T says it, or if whoever says it. Yeah, I have to hear it, and I'm allowed to flinch, but I'm not allowed to say it. So guess what? A lot of people uh, feel the same way about good old boys. It became a bad way of describing white men from the country. So I guess to take their power back, they now refer to themselves as good old boys, and they're not talking about the kind of good old boys who, you know, lynch people. In the nineteen forty six race riot, so you know we need to we need to lighten up. So I'm going to say the level of anger and looking for things to be offended by is off the charts. You can't tell me that Jason Aldean is some kind of racist because he made this song, and he put some imagery of. Uh, Black Lives Matter protests, which happened and which ended up sometimes becoming very violent. That doesn't make him a racist. You know, and I, I just, I, I, I grieve that my country has become not just humorless, because this stuff isn't funny, but intolerant of anything that might possibly offend anybody. You know, people offend me all the time. I get offended by things that might not offend you, and you get offended by things that might not offend me. But I don't go crazy and I don't try to bring down, you know, an entire career. I don't get so insulted by these images that I, I have become changed by my personality. None of that happens with me. I'm pretty tough-skinned. I didn't suddenly decide, well, I can't trust anybody because some people are criminals. You know, some people are criminals, that's all. I try to judge and discern which ones are the criminals. But I I look at the level of outrage that's being expressed about this song, and I, I just don't get it. I mean, the Country Music Channel pulled his video. And now it's a political weapon, you know, being wielded against uh you know this this artist I, i'm not yeah you know, i don't know that much about jason aldean but what little i know has never been uh particularly uh he's not particularly controversial that i know of and uh you know i got a gun that my granddad gave me they say one day they're going to round up well that might fly in the city good luck try that in a small town i'm with him you know and then, of course, uh, the inevitable left has to weigh in. Cheryl Crow, like she's some kind of music star. Uh, does anybody ever hear about Cheryl Crow anymore? Well, she said even people in small towns are sick of violence. Okay, I don't think he's promoting violence when he says his grand—he's got his granddad's gun. But everybody is just so over sensitive. This is his neighbors. He's entitled to write his song and sing his song. But we can't. We can't be tolerant anymore. And that's why I just, I want Donald Trump to win the election. I really do. I'm just so tired of all of this controversy over everything. You can't say anything. You can't You can't even think anything. Now I find out that as if it wasn't bad enough that we're concerning ourselves about artificial intelligence, which of course, they're just two initials according to my vice president, Kamala Harris, now I see a headline that Google has decided that they'll use artificial intelligence, a tool to write news articles. This is a product that they're testing using artificial intelligence technology to produce news stories, and then they're pitching it to like the New York Times, the Washington Post, the Wall Street Journal, News Corp, which is the Wall Street Journal's parent company, and the working title of this tool apparently is Genesis. Now, you don't have to be a Bible-believing Christian or Jewish person to understand what Genesis is. It's the beginning. That's what it is. The book of Genesis is about the beginning, and so now we have an AI tool called The Beginning, as far as I'm concerned, that's going to take in information with all kinds of details about current events, and then it's gonna generate news copy and put that out there everywhere. It's supposed to, they're, they're claiming that what it will do is it will serve as a kind of personal assistant for journalists, and it'll automate a lot of their tasks to free up time for others. What are the others? What are journalists supposed to be doing? I thought they're supposed to be gathering news and then putting it into a format where it can be given to people. So they need help doing that? I don't need help doing my radio show. I have to read a lot of news. I have to digest it. I have to think about it. I have to come up with opinions about it. I have to look at what I'm going to do on any given day in not just reporting the news, but analyzing the news. So now I need a AI chatbot. To help me out, though you know, this is the world uh, as as we are learning. The future is very very dim. Can you imagine who programs this AI tool? You know, it's going to be the same people who program search engines, this is a Google AI tool, right? So search engines, if you type in certain things, it'll come back with every piece of liberal propaganda that you could ever hope for and you will not see an article that counters it. Type in climate change. All you're going to get is, you know, John Kerry and and, uh, what was that former vice president with Bill Clinton... Al Gore. You'll get all these articles. That's what will come up. You'll very seldom, you have to scroll maybe down three pages before you get to an article that says, uh, this scientist doesn't believe that climate change should be a concern, especially in the military, of something like that. But you'll have to scroll, 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 scroll. So now I'm going to have an AI tool that is going to write the news. So any news gathering that used to be done by human beings, isn't going to be done by human beings anymore. Who inputs it? Somebody's got to be inputting this. Apparently, I'm not supposed to worry about that. Neither are you. Just go along with it. Use your palm prints and let uh, Google's AI tool called Genesis. I, I mean, they're right in your face now. Genesis, the beginning. Anyway, don't forget to download our app, the 850 WFTL app. That way you can listen to the podcasts of this show. You can listen to everybody's podcast and you can listen to my No Restraint podcast. And you have it right at the convenience of your phone or on your computer at 850wftl.com. Let me take a quick break. Uh, I want to remind everybody tomorrow, right at the top of my show, uh, Congressman Brian, Byron Donalds is going to be on And he's a hoot he, Well, he's a brilliant guy But he's also got a sense of humor that I just love So he'll be on with me tomorrow Right at the top of the show at 3 o'clock And next week I'll have uh, Congressman Brian Mast It's going to be Congressman um, uh, You know, until you're tired of it Because these guys better answer to us There's a lot of nonsense going on I'll be right back So yesterday I talked about these uh, hazardous ingredients in some of these vaccines. And of course I got the usual ton of email from people saying, I'm so glad you're talking about this. Because as, as I pointed out, if you don't hear it on talk radio, the odds are really good that you won't hear it. They don't care about AI tools writing news articles on television. I haven't heard a word about that. But you'll hear about that from people like me. You'll hear about the controversy about Jason Aldean from people like me. And again, I don't know enough about Jason Aldean. I know he's kind of controversial. I've heard that his wife takes a very public stance on very controversial issues. Well, guess what? You know, that's how people stay famous or get famous. He's already famous. But I'm telling you that, that some days... When I talk about certain things, I'm stunned at how many people are starved for that information. And they ask, where can I read more about this? Thank God I have listeners who are smart enough to ask. They want to see it. You know, I keep talking to my son, Derek, who's out there in Hollywood. He is not affected by this strike. It, it is not affecting his network or his uh, TMZ. But what's going on is affecting the entire country. And we're seeing all of these people talking about it. You've got the Netflix CEO, I think his name is Sarandis. He says he knows that the pain uh, with the strike is to be expected, but he wants a deal. He wants them to make a deal. Because I was thinking about this the other day. I was looking at some awards listing. You know, when they show you who the nominees are for the Emmys or the this or the that. I never watch the award show themselves, but I tend to look at the list to see who gets nominated. You know, I don't watch the shows, but I know what they are, and I certainly have enough people in my circle who watch the shows and always recommend shows to me and then find out I don't watch shows, but nonetheless. So I'm thinking the last couple of cycles all of the nominations have been going to these streaming services. It's either Netflix or Amazon Prime, which I guess is Amazon Studios. There's all these streaming sources, and you barely ever see a nomination for like some NBC comedy or some CBS show. It may be the end of the Alphabet Soup networks, maybe the end of network television entirely which is fascinating. Much like a couple of months ago when I was all concerned about the AM band being deleted from radios and cars. They control all the information that we get and they keep making it a smaller and smaller group of people who have any power in what gets transmitted. It's concerning and if it's not concerning you, well, tell me your secret. You know, are you just unaware? Or have you decided that you're not going to pay attention? You're going to get busy with other things. You know, I'm trying. I really do. I think about other things all the time. But I don't know how to turn it off. Especially when it has so much to do with the future. I have a great, great I've had a wonderful life. Let me put it to you that way. But I have children and I have grandchildren. And the one thing I know about their lives is they are not living in a world like I lived, not living in a country like I lived in, and worse, they have very little chance of improving the situation. Whereas I grew up and we believed, I believed that I could change the world. My generation may have seemed very self-centered, and it was, but we were activists, and we were the ones who said, we're not gonna eat uh, meat, it's cruel if they don't stop the factory farming, and you know, we were always looking for a way to make things better. My children are too busy trying to figure out who's gonna watch the kids when the two parents are working and wanna go on a vacation. They're not trying to change the world. I'm not sure that they are even paying attention to what's happening in the world because I know for sure that even children and, and in-law children of mine cannot look at Joe Biden and think to themselves, this is good <laughs> because they know better. So they got to turn it off. There's some switch that they have to be able to turn off. And that's concerning. It really is because they are the smart ones They are the ones who should be leading. And I think they've just turned away and walked away from civic duty. I listen to young people when they get called for jury duty. Even people in my age group get a summons for jury duty and all they're worried about is how do I get out of this? As though there was no importance to a jury of your peers should you be arrested and tried for a crime. There's no better system of justice. It may not be perfect, and we know it's not. But there's an attempt every time a person is charged with a crime to give them an opportunity to stand up for their innocence. You know, you're not supposed to be innocent until proven guilty, or that's what you are. You're supposed to be innocent until proven guilty. You're not guilty until you prove yourself innocent, unless you're Donald Trump, and then you're just guilty. Doesn't matter if you did it, didn't do it, Russian collusion, you're just guilty. And if they can't hang this on you, they'll hang that on you. And if they can't hang that on you, they'll just hang you. I saw that on The View yesterday, they were literally talking about hanging Donald Trump upside down in the public square. That's that's the kind of stuff that really concerns me because they're worried about Jason Aldean, who's singing about having his grandpa's gun But they're not the least bit concerned that there are five shrews on television every day of the week, except Saturday and Sunday, calling for public hanging of a presumptive presidential nominee, nominee, not to mention a previous president. That's okay. We're supposed to just ignore that. But don't, don't ignore Jason Aldean's lyrics and that video. You must get outraged about that, but don't get outraged about Joy Behar calling for a public hanging of Donald Trump. Anyway, I'm just preaching to the choir, aren't I? Stay right where you are. I'm going to take a quick break, and I'll be right back. Uh, so apparently, you know, there's so much going on, so many places for us to look that we have ignored some of the worst news that's out there. And believe me, there's nobody less interested than me in indictments against President Trump. And the reason I'm so uninterested is because it's enough already. And I have to believe that a lot of the people feel that way. Even the Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, said this is ridiculous. And I think the American people are fed up with all that. You know, meanwhile, we're waiting for some legitimate benefits to come out of whatever it is that Congress in the hands of a slim majority of Republicans can do. You know, when I talk with Congressman Byron Donalds tomorrow, I can ask him and I know he'll honestly tell me what, what gets done in there. Is there, is there an answer for the American people as to how much better life would be if, for instance, we had a Republican president? But they don't talk about it. Yesterday, they had the uh, president of Israel came to town, gave a speech in Congress, and I had said earlier, I don't really want to hear from Herzog. He is a figurehead. What I would like, and he was a liberal, to to boot, a, a labor guy. What I'd like to hear is Bibi Netanyahu. And I said to uh, Congressman Waltz, and I'll say it to Congressman Donalds tomorrow, and I'll say it to Congressman Mass next week. You guys have to invite the Prime Minister of Israel to address Congress. Now, if the Senate doesn't want to come, so it's not a joint session. I would call a joint session personally and then make them look really stupid when they don't come. Allow him to speak because the American people don't understand why the leader of the only democracy in the Middle East has not been invited to the White House. You know, and now he's like quasi-invited. I don't understand. Where are the Republicans? What are they doing? Oh, and by the way, Shock of all shocks, and I say this to my friends who I love and I'm soon going to be able to be friends with again because it looks like the governor's campaign is just sliding into despair, Vivak Ramaswamy, the entrepreneur, has literally moved into second place in a bunch of polls, but in particular, in polls of GOP voters. That's big news. Whether you want to hear it or not, this is a guy who came up with a very, very interesting way of raising money, which is probably the future. Because this idea that you can allow a half a dozen billionaires to control who can afford to run in an election, doesn't sit well with the American people. So he actually structured something, and I don't really understand it, I should probably study it more before I talk about it, but I, I understand it enough to tell you that if you make a donation to Vivek Ramaswamy's campaign, and then you are able to get a friend to make a donation to his campaign, you get to keep part of the friend's donation. There's nothing more exciting to people with an entrepreneurial spirit than for you to be able to get in on it. And apparently, it's working. He's in second place in a number of polls. Now, I I didn't predict that. I really didn't. And I'm not sure if it's going to last for more than a millisecond because things move so quickly. But Governor DeSantis had a ton of money. And apparently, he's already running out of a ton of money. Primaries are expensive, especially if you're running against Donald Trump. And the regular general election, when whoever gets the nomination, is going to be expensive because it's looking really more and more like there's going to finally be a legitimate well-funded third party this no labels party is no joke and if this no labels party were to put forward admit, uh, I'll tell you who they, they could put forward the the uh, senator from West Virginia if they have mansion as a presidential candidate from who which party do you think he's going to steal votes? If they have a team like uh, Manchin and Ramaswamy, that's a real powerful pairing. I don't know that that could ever happen, but I keep thinking about if I were at all inclined to vote for a third party, I'd go for the gusto now. This is the time to do it. Because even if they didn't win, they will directly affect who wins. Joe Manchin steals votes from Joe Biden. Vivek Ramaswamy steals votes from whoever the Republican nominee is. That's just the truth. You know, I'm just saying the quiet part out loud. But everybody knows that. I can imagine what's going on in these strategy sessions for all these candidates, right? They're banging their heads against the wall trying to figure out how they prevent some powerful personalities from actually becoming third-party candidates. And forget about it if Donald Trump doesn't get the Republican nomination and he decides to run as a third candidate. This will be the like upside-down, sideways, bend-over-backward election, which could be a lot of fun. It'll be great for a radio, but not too good for the country. So I'm not hoping for that, but I certainly see it As a possibility. Now, of course, everybody wants me to talk about the congressional hearing yesterday, where you really have to admit when you have a Democrat who's been working in the IRS for years become a whistleblower and say that the investigations into Hunter Biden were absolutely stymied by his superiors. And he doesn't feel like he can sit on that secret anymore. Apparently, he worked under Shapley, who was the first whistleblower. And they kept his name out of it until, I think it was the day before yesterday or yesterday, when they finally released who who is the second whistleblower. And he sat in front of Congress. And I'm looking at this guy, not only is a Democrat, and believe me, they checked. He's always voted Democrat. He's donated money to Democrat candidates. He's, he. this is his description of himself. He's a gay Democrat. So what kind of acts do you think he has to grind? None. He just would like to preserve the integrity of the agency that he works for. Would that there were more people working inside of these large bureaucracies that have grown way too powerful who would step forward and say politics is playing into decisions at the highest levels. And we, the worker bees, are really frustrated about this and we don't want to continue doing this and we're going to come forward and tell the truth. And of course, all you get from the you know, the AI media, that's what I'm going to call them now, is, oh, yeah, Hunter Biden didn't do anything. There's nothing wrong. Go away. He pleaded to a lesser charge. It's over. We're not going to talk about that anymore. So what if he was a crackhead and they found cocaine? Shush! Don't say anything. But Donald Trump? New indictments. We got more indictments. I just don't understand how anybody could be disinterested in politics anymore. When people say don't talk about religion, don't talk about politics, my answer is there's nothing else to talk about that matters. Those are the two subjects that really matter. We have lost our way. We don't act as if we believe there's ever a God that we're going to have to stand in front of and explain ourselves to, so we do whatever we want to for the most part. Not me personally, but the you know society. We need to restore some semblance of morals, and politics is moving everything. It's creating situations. How can you be uninterested in it? Well, obviously, people who listen to this show are interested in both of those things. So we got to fight back. Don't forget, coming up right after me is Eric Erickson, followed by, I believe, Joe Pags, followed by Lars Larson. I love his new tagline, something right from the far left or where, because he's out there in Portland. And then, of course, Red Eye Radio. And tomorrow morning, Jen and Bill and uh, Dina will be back to wrap up this week. Brian Kilmead from. 9 a.m. till noon now. And then Dan Bongino comes on live at noon until three o'clock when I get to have my final say. And in case you were worried, not only will I have Congressman Byron Donalds on tomorrow, but Derek is planning on making an appearance. So we will continue with the TMZ segment. I'm happy about that. I know you are too. Let me take my final break and I'll be back to finish the show. Oh, boy, I tell you, you can't make this stuff up. So the uh, president of Israel, who's literally useless and has no purpose other than to, uh, I don't know, walk around, he went before Congress, and he did get a bipartisan reception, which was pleasing to me. And he, they passed a resolution, Congress did, condemning and exposing the Jew-haters and Israel-haters who absurdly and falsely and embarrassingly and ignorantly call Israel an apartheid state or racist, and they're the bigots. So the resolution also rejected all forms of anti-Semitism and declared that the United States will always be a staunch partner and supporter of Israel." So there were some positive things that came. I did watch uh, President Herzog's speech. And the best part was when he provided a, a very stirring reminder of the history of the Jewish people from the promise that God himself made to the first Jew, Abraham, to the story of Moses leading the Jewish Israelites to the whole promised land and to the Jewish people mourning the loss of their sovereignty when the Second Temple was destroyed in Jerusalem. I mean, he told the story well. He talked about two millennia of national exile throughout which Jews continued to just want to go home. They just wanted to return to their ancestral homeland. And then, of course, 75 years ago, they did. They returned, and Israel was born again, reborn and they rebuilt a democratic Jewish-Israeli nation, and then they allowed exiles from all over the world, from a 100 different nations uh, to come, and that they are peace-loving, but they have to defend themselves against the radical enemies that they have in the Arab world. He also made a critically important case for action to stop Iran's nuclear capability, and said you cannot rely on diplomacy Allowing Iran, he said, to become a nuclear threshold state, whether by omission or by diplomatic commission, is unacceptable. The world cannot remain indifferent to the Iranian regime's call to wipe Israel, and by the way, to wipe America, off the map. Tolerating this and Iran's measures to realize it is an excuse. It's an inexcusable moral collapse. Israel and the United States have to act together, to prevent Iran's fundamental threat to international security. Another message that he conveyed was that the impediment to peace is Palestinian Arab terror against Israelis. And the fact that they glorify it and celebrate it and pay lifetime pensions to Arabs who murder Jews, one day there has to be peace. But as um, was it Golda Meir when she was prime minister? She said, you can't have peace until they love their children more than they hate Israel. In other words, they have to stop sending these young bombers into Israel. This has been going on for decades already. So he did make that point. You cannot have peace anchored in violence. The Palestinian terror against Israel or against Israelis, against Jews, that undermines any possibility for peace between the people. And uh, there were some things in the speech I didn't like. When he was talking about Palestinian terror, he should have specified and named the PA, the Palestinian Authority, and its president, Mahmoud Abbas, as inciting murder of Jews and glorifying and paying them. You know, and, and we give them money to pay these terrorists who blow themselves up in pizza parlors or go to uh, crossings and set off bombs that kill innocent people. And, of course, he did not mention how the media talks about Israel. It's appalling. You know, forget about the squad. We know they hate Jews, but the media, goodness gracious. And he should talk about, uh, and then he was talking about the strong judiciary. Go stop it. You know, get out of the politics. You're just a figurehead. But anyway, he should have said judicial reform is an internal affair and let Israel handle it. So that's my take on President Herzog, who praised the U.S. for pursuing a deal through this moron, the Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, which is basically a deal that gives Hezbollah billions of dollars and surrenders Israeli resources. But hey, not much else I can say about that. So thank you for your time this time until next time. My plan is to be back here tomorrow at 3 o'clock with Congressman Byron Donalds as my first guest. And Derek will be on later on in the show, so you don't want to miss it. May God bless you, and may God bless the United States of America. This was not a program designed by AI.